Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's definitely a cat thing. They like to look down on the rest of the world. Feel some, some cats, some cats. So there's like different types of cats. They like, they like to be on different levels. So some of them uh. like to hide on the ground. Some of them like to be on this level and this is like table level. Yeah. And that's, that's Choji. He loves to sit here and he's constantly on the counters. And I've had other cats that just want to be as high as possible. And only one so far. It's like I built a staircase out of boxes of books because what the fuck else are they good for, apparently? <laughs> and so I built a staircase behind my bookcase up to the top of my bookcase. Oh, fun. But only one cat has figured it out or been inclined to go look for it. <laughs> so I've only had one tree cat so far. I remember I watched some, like cat whisperer show and this this couple had the cat that was just constantly attacking house guests and they didn't know what to do and then the cat whisperer came in and was like oh your cat needs a perch your cat needs to be elevated above everyone so they can feel safe and so they put like a running board along the upper level of their whole apartment and like a little staircase to get up there and suddenly, like, no issue, because whenever people came over, the cat would just go up on this, like, shelf up by the ceiling and just be, like, all chill, because it was, like, yeah. had a bird's eye view on the situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Speaking of caring for small animals. Welcome to the Trade Waiters. Jam, what's our book today? Our book today is going to be Meal by Blue Delaquante and Soleil Ho. And I'm really excited to talk about this book. Do you have a character building question for us? I do. So I'm going to go for the uh, the easy slow pitch kind of question. Tell me about a time you ate a bug. <laughs> <laughs> have, um, you, have you gotten involved in, what do they call it? Uh, insect of... Biology? I forget now. Uh, uh, a, it doesn't start with insect. It's like it, it's ent- ent- entomophagy. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you experienced entomophagy before? And when? And what did you think? I'm Jonathan, and uh, I don't think I have ever knowingly eaten a bug. I let me think. What is the strangest thing I've eaten? Uh, I mean, I've eaten ocean bugs, I guess, various types of shrimp, if that counts. But that's as close. And then never anything that's an insect. Yeah, similar. So I'm Jeff Ellis, and I lived in Japan for two and a half years, and I ate a lot of weird things, and there definitely would have been some opportunities to eat bugs. It's not a huge thing in Japan, but it is like, I mean, as established in the book, it is it is part of the culture there. But I never, yeah, I never did. I remember I was in, I visited Thailand and I saw the the grasshoppers on skewers and the and the grubs on skewers. But like, I just, at the time, just did not, that just seemed super gross and I didn't do it. And um, honestly, uh, after reading this comic, I regret uh, that timidness. Uh, yeah. I wish I had read this comic first before my world travels and I might've been more adventurous. 
Uh, so no, I have not. I have only eaten sea bugs as well. Those are, those are the only bugs I eat. Love, I love me some shrimp. Uh, I love me sea bugs uh, in that regard, which I will finish by saying uh, my sister used to love shrimp until she saw an uncooked shrimp, like a living shrimp, and realized that they were sea bugs and then swore them off for the rest oh, of their no. life. <laughs> that did happen to me when I was very young. I found out that shrimps were like a whole creature. Uh, and I didn't eat them again for a while, but now I don't care. Uh, like <laughs> you, can get, you can go to restaurants in Taiwan that will have like a tank full of shrimp and not just like the shrimp that we're used to, but like big shrimp. There's like, um, uh, I'm not sure the exact translation, but there's like little shrimp or the shrimp we're used to. And then uh, in Chinese, they're medium sized shrimp are the like the kind of crayfish type things. Um, and, uh, they'll just have them in tanks and then you go to the restaurant and you eat them. And I was totally fine with that, but that's just me. <laughs> All right. And I'm Jam and, uh, it is well known that I am a vegetarian. I'm vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for, uh, over 10 years, but I fell into the category of the type of tech bro kind of person that is kind of derided in this book. Uh, of getting like super into raising insects as meat and trying to bring that in as an ecological solution to uh, humanity's growing protein needs. So I've been really, really interested in this topic and like looked into cricket farming and the type of solution that it could be and watching it with great interest, I would say. But I have an allergy to meat. So uh, as it was brought up, like among my friends and circles who are in environmental, uh, the environmental field, sustainability as a field, uh, I've always got asked, like, would you eat uh, crickets if that became an option, right? You know, it's like, how does that fall on your spectrum of vegetarianism? And I always had to answer, well, I don't know whether I'm allergic to crickets or not. Luckily, at one point, I did find a chocolate bar as this trend uh, continued. There was a cricket infused chocolate bar or I think it was like a cricket energy bar or something like that yeah it was like it, it was like an energy bar made of cricket flowers and cricket meal so I bought it uh to to do a test because you don't want your first context of trying to test yourself or an allergy to be in like oh I'm in a high pressure social situation I wanted to have like total control over it so I bought it and I ate a teeny little bit and I did have a reaction in about like 20 minutes oh. I started to feel super super sick so regrettably I have eaten bug and I am allergic to them, <laughs> which I shouldn't be surprised because like now that you're mentioning uh, seafood, like shellfish was one of the first things I lost the ability to eat. So huh. it, was a, it was a degenerative situation. Weird. But the reason why we're chatting about bugs is today we are going to talk about a book called Meal. And Meal is all about the culture of insect cuisine and how it is starting to become a thing in the in in North America in particular. So uh, this is a book that was published by Iron Circus, I believe. We were yep. going to keep talking. Yeah, okay, this was an Iron Circus one. Yep. Uh, and it's by Blue Delaquante, and they're a comic artist based in Minneapolis. They are the author of the Lambda-nominated comic, Oh Human Star, which I also really, really recommend. Yeah, that's an absolute favorite of mine. And I, it's yeah, complete. I'm gonna third third that. Ooh, <laughs> I was finished. Yeah. 
it's finished. So the third book was kickstarted, but it hasn't fulfilled completely yet. So the broad public can't buy all three books, but I was very, very close to recommending a human star. Uh, and maybe we will do that in a future trade waiters. Yeah. That sounds uh, like that could be a two episode thing. For sure. Uh, their work has also appeared in various anthologies, including Beyond, New World, and FTL, y'all. And it was co-written, so I guess su- co-supported. It says with Soleil Ho. Soleil is a Vietnamese-American chef, writer, and podcaster. Her writing has appeared in Brooklyn Magazine, The Atlas Review, Paste, On She Goes, Edible Magazine, Taste, and Bitch. She hosts two podcasts, Bitch Media's Revered Propaganda Podcast and Racist Sandwich, an award-nominated podcast on food and intersectional politics. So a pretty interesting team to tackle an interesting topic. And it's a it's a nice tight 100-something, 150-page graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'd be interested in your initial impressions. Yeah, I think, like, I mean, I didn't do any sort of research about this book before I bought it from Iron Circus and started reading it. So I just kind of went in cold and I was like surprised to be like, oh, this is just about eating bugs. And then I was, it got me thinking about like Delicious in Dungeon and some of the like food based mangas that exist. And uh, like I was, uh, yeah, I, I was listening to some other people talking about like food manga as like this big genre in Japanese manga. And I was like immediately connected. I was like, wait, this is it. This is like a North American food manga specifically about eating bugs. And I was like, uh, yeah, I was really taken with this. I thought it was like a really fun way of presenting this. Yeah. Like kind of like unconventional idea of, eating bugs and yeah i i really enjoyed it and i actually also really appreciated that there was somewhat of a like an additional plot like there was sort of this romantic subplot between yarrow and milani and the struggling sort of like startup business and i know i actually think that in a lot of japanese food manga you almost would just focus on the food and the the story would almost just completely drop away. And so I actually appreciated that they kind of hung on to somewhat of a dramatic narrative and still continued to like educate me on like bug meals. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. And I, I honestly, I will say that I hadn't really thought about eating bugs before. And after like seeing the recipes like laid out, I was like, I'd try that. I'd, I'd like, I'd, I'd try that. I don't know if I would, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'd react after eating it, but I would definitely take a mouthful and try it. I was like interested to try all the dishes in this manga, in this comic. <laughs> Freudian slip. Well, I mean, they are technically <laughs> the exact same word. Yes. So I don't know if that counts as a Freudian slip. Um, that's a bilingual slip let's say yeah there we go (laughs) Um, yeah this book was great Uh, everything Blue does is great Uh, I'm a big fan I just want to mention that I am very lucky to have been in the two anthologies that are mentioned in their um, biography there (laughs) yeah so but um, this is uh, this is a great book Uh, I like uh, I knew I would like it because it's blue and it's published by iron circus and they always do good stuff 
but it was uh, even better than I thought it would be. I really liked how the recipes were kind of integrated into the story because um, like I haven't read a lot of food manga, but uh, it often feels like the recipes, even if there is a story, it feels like the recipes are kind of like almost an afterthought where it's like story, then recipe, then story, then recipe. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this case, it's really fluid. So you could go, you could take this book and you could go back through it and like find the, take out the recipes and use them. But as you're reading it, it's just part of the experience of like enjoying the story. Uh, and the characters are really interesting. I really enjoyed the part about the sort of the cultural background aspect, because I've heard about sort of the idea of eating bugs before and like jam the, the, when I've heard about it, it's been in the context of, well, this is a solution to like saving the environment. It's a, a non, like not, not non-invasive, like non, uh, unless it's a, a low impact. Yeah. It's Lower a low impact, impact uh, way of getting protein from the environment, but like, it's really interesting to sort of see um, the specifics of the, the background for where these recipes come from and uh, how extensive uh, these traditions are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm really glad you both enjoyed this book. I'm the one who uh, recommended it. I picked it up from blue directly at a show because I am as well, like a huge fan of blue's work. So I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm reading it and it's about bugs bonus, you know, like <laughs> great. But I didn't expect to cry. Like the the subplot, the romantic plot made me cry. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I love this. And I'm so happy. I thought the, the characters were all really well-rounded and very dimensional. And again, like coming in as someone who was this kind of environmental nerd, you know, this tech bro kind of angle on eating insects to be like almost slapped down by the work itself to be like, no, (laughs) this is not a new thing. It is not a weird thing. It is a well-established cultural thing around the world. And it's only European and American culture that doesn't have this. So to have that be like so central to the message of the book was it really took me back in a positive way. Like it really made me reevaluate how I perceive eating bugs in the context of, you know, humanity. And I think it was just such a positive thing. I'm, I'm really, really glad for this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so I, you guys have both said it. I want to also reiterate, uh, Blue is a fantastic cartoonist. I'm glad to hear they finished Oh Human Star because reading this 150 pages, I was thinking, how do you have time to be doing 150 pages of bug recipes? There's still a human star to finish. So this, this all makes sense now. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Blue has such a talent for bringing this, I don't know. It's like this kind of like wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. There's this like positivity. Like joy. There's, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of joy in this book. Yeah. It's like it, it just everyone... I don't know just the way the way they draw smiles the way they draw people interacting it's just there's this quality to the characters where it just has this upbeat feel you know mm-hmm. um and i think that helps a lot it just makes it f- feel i mean it, it the, the writing's a part of it too but i i just feel like presenting people with this idea of 
eating bugs, it's presented in this really... Like, it's not in this scoldy way. It's in this just like, oh, well, didn't you know that this actually has this, like, centuries-long tradition? And, like, it's it's presented in this very non-threatening, like, let's just talk about this. And, you know, uh, like, it is kind of weird. Sure, but, like, let's just talk about what's going on here. And, I don't know, I think the way it was presented was done very effectively. And... I also just wanted to say, like, I think one thing that made this stand out more than, I don't know, t- typical food manga is I also appreciated that the characters are sort of like, I, th- I want to say like bug parenting, but they're like, you know, they're they're raising the bugs and harvesting the bugs and they get into that too. Like, um, it's not just recipes, but like they even have a whole description of the using different trays to like raise your grubs and like raise bugs in your own house and i mean again if you're talking about like low impact i mean i think that was such a great case where it's like oh if you can get over how you know quote unquote gross it is to eat mealworms like you could be growing mealworms in your apartment like in a closed ecosystem just like cycling like eggs to larva to different trays um and not and bothering like, your neighbors like yeah, you have like, a chicken. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't even have to go to the grocery store. You'd literally just pull mealworms out of a tray in your apartment and then as long as you keep kind of maintenancing that, <laughs> you just have mealworms on hand all the time, you know? And and people do. Like people have started doing that. And so like uh from the from the perspective of someone who has investigated this is from the tech <laughs> side, uh, they sell modular systems of like, you can put a container in your backyard and you like plug power and water into one side of it. And it gives you everything that you need to start this process of like raising crickets for yourself. Uh, and there's operations throughout the United States. So uh, the big battle right now for getting insect protein into the broader mainstream is actually like regulatory. Mm. So there's a lot of legislation that has to be passed in terms of like, okay, well, what is considered human grade insects that you're raising? Like what standards Mm. do you have to meet? How do you need to label it? How do you need to market and transport it? So it's like, there's groups that are trying to push that forward and, uh, and legislate for it. But in the meantime, it's all, you know, pseudo underground, right? You know, like, uh, like the, the sellers in the book who were selling fish on the front, but then they imported grasshoppers. It was grasshoppers and also the, the caviar, right? Like the ants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Mexican caviar. Yeah. The Mexican caviar. Yeah. Uh, and so they had to kind of import that, you know, kind of halfway on the slide, you know, and <laughs> And it's it's interesting. It's interesting to watch this catch on culturally and mm. uh, what all of that is going. But maybe um, I should take a step back and summarize the plot. Sure. So the plot of this book follows a character named Yaro. And Yaro is a culinary bug enthusiast. And uh, she grew up in San Francisco. Uh, and she decides, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to bring eating bugs into the North American mainstream. And so she ends up moving, I believe it's to Minneapolis, but I don't know if it's like, 
explicitly stated that it's Minneapolis at any point? Um, we're told either the name of the town or the neighborhood, and it's not a place I've heard of, so I don't know whether it's actual Minneapolis or a made-up town that is basically Minneapolis. It, it's a very Minneapolis-like part of the world. Yeah. And uh, she basically decides to move with no plan just to go work in this restaurant that she hears is opening. And the restaurant belongs to Chandra. And Chandra is on a mission as well, uh, a mission to kind of bring her cultural perspective on uh, entomophagy and bringing that into the North American consciousness. And so Yaro, you know, busts in, you know, a little bit presumptuously being like, this is my whole deal. I'm here to help hire me. And Chandra's like, not so fast. (laughs) And uh, through this process, Yaro is able to reconnect with what entomophagy means to her culturally, because she's mixed race and her and some of her grandparents are Japanese and had a tradition of eating grasshoppers that they taught her when she was young. And so she was able to reconnect with that part of herself. Uh, And so we were able to learn about that side of entomophagy and through Chandra we were able to uh, learn about the Mexican traditions and also the Cambodian traditions of eating insects. So a lot of different things. Uh, And so Chandra is trying to open her restaurant and again like as as Jeff mentioned she's kind of in startup mode really hard to try and bring a business up from nothing and they have this big opportunity which is the there's like a Halloween festival parade type thing. And so they have the opportunity to do a pop-up shop and show their cuisine to the community for the first time. And yeah, everyone is trying to organize around that and twists and turns happen along the way, like any small business. And there is also a B plot, which has been mentioned before. Uh, Sean, or sorry, Yaro, when she first moves to this new city, she chance encounters Milani. And Milani ends up, she's a mural painter, pretty cool person. She also acts as kind of the reader avatar of someone who is outside the world of eating bugs and needs things explained. So I think she works really, really well in that context. But uh, it's their blossoming relationship and the the miscommunications and speed bumps along the way of how, what, what that brings. And that's the, that's the basic plot of the work. Yeah. I bought into that relationship. I was like, yeah, that was good. Uh, I think that was a nice nice addition to just sort of, I don't know, again, I feel like uh, it would be easy to just have your kind of like uninitiated character there to ask questions about eating bugs and just call it. And so yeah. that extra layer of, and there's this romantic tension. I think that was good. And I, I also liked i really bought into the dilemma of impressing chandra because yarrow comes in and is like i know all this stuff about bugs and i know all these recipes and i'm like the perfect uh sous chef for your restaurant and chandra's kind of just like uh i don't think so you know uh you know impress me and the way she obsesses over trying to make this like perfect taco to like impress Chandra like I don't know I thought that was yeah I really enjoyed that and something I it threw me off a little bit but I actually really appreciated it is that I think twice in the in this book when people take a bite of the food they find themselves transported to the place where that sort of food 
origin is and it's like they you know they taste and it's like they're standing you know in in the, in the waters of of was it the the philippines or i can't cambodia remember. cambodia sorry standing saying the waters of cambodia or like standing in a field in japan and uh and, I, and it was like flipped too i think so it's like like yarrow takes a bite of chandra's food and has this vision of cambodia and mm-hmm. like vice versa later when yarrow finally impresses chandra chandra takes a bite and is like transported to japan you know and it was like i i know i like that idea that it was a it was an interesting device for like the you've hit the perfect flavor like <laughs> and they're like transported to another world yeah uh chandra and yarrow have a conversation about this midway through the book and they i, I think it's i think it's yarrow who finally articulates that it's chandra's mission to share a memory Mm. through her cuisine. Uh, And I'm really glad that you touched on this device because I hadn't seen it before in a food manga as we are discussing food manga, but also what it really reminded me of is uh, depictions of music in comics, Mm. which is another thing that we've touched on in the past. So comics is a visual medium. By its very nature, it's completely silent and uh, you, you don't have the same kind of tools that you have in film. Uh, and taste is certainly not something that you can describe. You you've you've words, right? But uh, depicting it with these these textured pictures, I think, was a really interesting choice, and I really I really liked it. It helps it helps bring forward kind of the emotional reaction that people were having to the food, mm. and it it really made it feel impactful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think if this was a, a prose book, you could kind of achieve that with like spending a paragraph like describing the taste and like using adjectives that would like connect to their the origin of the cuisine and that kind of thing. But that would be really clunky to do that in a comic because it would like take you out of the story. You're suddenly having to read this paragraph. Uh, so like for comics, this seems like the perfect solution to just have visuals. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, there's like a, a layer of texture to those sequences. Like it's very, it's very much like an aspect to aspect page of just mm-hmm. showing you all the, you know, like it's, it's not really words. It's just sort of taking in all the details of, I, I like flip to the, the Cambodian beach and it's just like, you know, like, feet in the water and like the waves lapping against the water and people going surfing, people having a barbecue, like it's all these nice little details that just like make it such a rich scene, which mm. sort of gives you, I think a sense of the, yeah, the richness of the flavor, which also uh, reminds me that this is the one, I would say this is the one dish that I was feeling a little uh, skittish about is like the, deep fried tarantula i was like i don't <laughs> that's that's the one i think that i would have to take a pause and be like i don't know uh, mm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna disagree <laughs> with you i mean this is obviously this is all just personal uh point of view but i feel like i would be more okay with eating a deep fried tarantula than mealworms mm. just because it's more similar to the types of things i'm used to eating i mean 
I don't know. <laughs> no, no, like, I mean, hundred percent. You could point to like the last crab that I ate, and they'd be like, eh, "Sure, what's your problem, Jeff?" I'd be like, oh, "Okay, I know, but um, the tarantula of the sea." Yeah, <laughs> but I know it's it, it's. I don't know. I feel like oh, so it's because like, and again, like, I, there's a total hypocrisy with seafood, but I it is like the idea that it's not. It's just the whole thing. You're just like, oh yeah, just eat the whole thing: the fangs, the head, like all of it, the abdomen. Um, I feel like that's part of what culture is, though, is like culture doesn't make sense. Like the things that we're used to are just there because that's what we're used to. Yeah. And there there doesn't need to be any kind of logic to that. And, and in some other part of the world, there will be like a different sort of logical thought process. And like, of course, it makes sense to eat a tarantula. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, like I, I, I think like this work made me... Uh, reconcile with my own hypocrisies like mm. I had to sort of know like oh it is totally normal to eat a fried tarantula I'm I've just got this weird hang up from just the way I've been like culturalized where I'm just like that seems wrong for some reason but like I can't articulate any rational reason why you shouldn't eat a deep fried tarantula <laughs> and I think that's that's something I've long been interested in when it comes to food how there, it seems uh, unavoidable that there's kind of a, a morality tied into it of what's okay to eat and how that everybody has, but everybody's sort of logic of that is going to be different. And it's like, I like the way it's laid out in this book where it's sort of like just presenting here are some, I think that's the advantage of having, tying it to like a story and characters is mm -hmm. you're not trying to convince the reader no, this is actually okay. It's like, here are some characters and here's why they think it's okay. Here's their thought process. Mm. Um, and even the the part where like, uh, we see Chandra raising the tarantulas and it's like, oh, it's like a pet tarantula, but you plan to eat it. And that's, that, that's kind of what eating meat is. Mm. Like, uh, especially in North America, we're very good at sort of hiding behind the supermarket counter and like not thinking about where this comes from but no it's always this is an animal that somebody raised so that you could eat it yeah, yeah. and it, it really reminded me uh that aspect of raising crickets or tarantulas in your home for the purposes of being a part of your diet it reminded me of when i went to peru and uh in peru there's a culture of raising guinea pigs in a very similar way so you have guinea pigs in a small enclosure usually in your backyard and you're raising them for meat. And that's that's very normal. And uh, we do say that now we hide behind the supermarket, but it wasn't always that way. You know, it was very common to have chickens in your yard, chickens and geese and ducks. And mm -hmm. uh, and it's still common for people who live on farms. Yeah. It's becoming more common in the city as well. Yeah. You know, my, my grandmother would often tell me about how they had... I think like four chickens that really helped them out during the great depression because those four chickens gave birth to more chickens and then they always had eggs and they could sell eggs to their neighbors. And every once in a while, you know, they could harvest a chicken once in a while. And yeah, they sort of kept this like little popular. I can't remember how many chickens they had, but they had this little, little coop that they just kept going and that got them through the great depression. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like that seems so crazy to me because, yeah, you just go to the grocery store and everything's all processed and prepackaged and, and ready to go. And actually, 
this touches on something I, I wanted to say, which is I did really appreciate the bug recipes. Like as much as, yeah, the, the fried tarantula made me a little like, oh, that seems weird. But I did appreciate the fact that Chandra wasn't hiding the fact that she was serving bugs. Like there are bugs. Here they are. Look at these bugs. These bugs are part of this meal. And I, I actually kind of, I don't know, I appreciated that because I think that I've heard a lot of talk about like grasshopper flower and cricket flower. Sorry, yeah, cricket flower. I heard a lot of conversations about cricket flower, but yeah, it's sort of like, again, that's that abstract. It's like, oh, we've taken these crickets, we've dried them out, we've ground them up, they're a powder. And so, yeah, for a North American, oh, well, I can just put this powder in my food, sure. But, like, I kind of appreciated the way that it, some of this food was, like, conf- confronting people a little bit with the fact that, like, no, there's a bug in here. Like, this is a bug. You're going to eat it or you're going to be grossed out by it. But, like, and more than that, you're no like, kidding this, yourself. <laughs> yeah, this this bug has a flavor and we've paired it with things that will bring out that flavor. Yeah. Like, the bug is the is the point. Yeah, they're not masking the flavor of the bug either. They're not trying to, you know, dip it in chocolate or like completely mm. smother it in sauce. Like the the yeah. bug is the the star of the dish and yeah. is worth being the star of the dish. Yeah, and I I appreciated that because I do think that yeah, for a lot of North American thought process on eating bugs, it's like oh well yeah, if you're gonna grind it up and dip it in chocolate sure i'll eat a cricket but like it's just like no like just pick this cricket up and like crunch it in your mouth like i think a lot of people would have a very different reaction to that you know (laughs) and and i just like uh i really like like i should read more books that are, are more comics that are um full of recipes uh like during this pandemic i've really gotten interested in cooking as like a thing to do because like I'm stuck at home by myself with my cat. <laughs> uh, and I've been watching a lot of like cooking shows on YouTube and things like that. And like me trying out new recipes, nothing with bugs cause I'm not that brave, <laughs> but I still, I really like the aesthetic of like watching people who know what they're doing, talk about recipes and the steps involved and the thought process of like, why do I include one thing and not another thing? Like that's, I, I'm by far an amateur at that, but uh, I can see the the fun of it. I can see why that's fun. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, we've all had to become a little bit more invested in our food, I think, <laughs> in the absence of external stimuli. Uh, but yeah, another aspect of raising your own protein or, or raising anything, right? Like having a garden is that, the way that we eat right now is very disconnected from our food and where it comes from. And I think cultivating that connection is, is a very positive thing that you can do in your life, whether it's just having a a clear understanding of like, you know, the hundred mile diet, for example, like where specifically is your food coming from? Can you get to that farm? Do you know what they're doing on that farm? You know, who is raising your chickens? who are who is your butcher you know Mm. so you don't have to go as far as like importing your own tarantulas to to foster (laughs) that connection with your food but i think it's something that everyone would benefit from yeah yeah and i mean i don't know it's uh i i remember a, a friend of mine his his diet was basically anything 
that he felt comfortable killing. So for him, that was like fish. Mm-hmm. He's like, I could kill a fish, so I'll eat a fish, but I couldn't kill a chicken, so I won't eat a chicken. Was kind of his take on things, and uh, and like I would definitely like yeah. Looking at this, uh, I was like, no, I could I could totally kill a bug. I could totally <laughs> I kill bugs all the time just because they're in my ha- apartment for no reason. So why not actually like make this a nutritional benefit too? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, whatever. I. I suppose we could talk about, yeah, there, there's probably still some, like, ethics to killing and eating bugs, too, like killing and eating animals, but, like, I, yeah, I don't know, that idea of kind of, like, raising it and killing it, preparing it yourself, I, that, being that directly involved in, in, we had the name for it, I forget now, but, like, yeah, in this, like, bug, bug food is, like, I'm, like, yeah, I could, I could do that, I could totally be involved in all of those processes where, yeah, if you were to be like, Hey, let's raise some chickens in the backyard. Uh, I feel like I would probably just like give all the chickens names and not be able to <laughs> harvest them for meat anymore. <laughs> your little, your little squad. Uh, I was wondering if I could return to the work and oh, ask yeah. for your, your thoughts on the art. Cause I thought the art was really strong. We know we're all fans of blue, but I also thought it was really interesting that I understand why it's a black and white work. Black and white is, it's a perfect way to kind of do this one shot graphic novel and kind of an experimental, it's a one shot graphic novel with a kind of unusual premise. And that makes it, I think, perfectly suited financially to a black and white work. But I also think that like, we know that blue is really great in grayscale it's it's what they do most of the time uh and i think it came through really really strong i love the ways that they did tones uh mm. and i was wondering i'm like oh, i wonder what this would have looked like in color so yeah mm. i'm interested in your thoughts on the art and how it how it stood out to you or what you liked and didn't like yeah i mean i hope i'm not misremembering but oh human star is sort of a duotone treatment right yeah, it's so. either duotone or like basically duotone. I can't remember, but like, it's just, okay. it's very limited palette. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, while reading this, I was thinking about O Human Star art and thinking a little bit about what like a little pop of color might feel like. But I mean, you know, I've I mean, I think I've talked about this on this podcast before, but. Um, I definitely have sort of bought into the idea. I think Scott McLeod talked about this, or maybe it was Art Spiegelman, that black and white art tends to connect more to the rational side of the brain, where color connects more to the emotional side of the brain. So in the sense that this is a comic that's making a rational argument for eating bugs black and white maybe makes the most sense because it is sort of a a, like yes we talked about there being a romance but like essentially this is a a fact like a a fact-based rational argument for changing to like a incorporating some bugs into your diet and so i think that maybe keeping it black and white yeah sort of sticks to the more i don't know that, that the rational sort of like argument being made um where maybe like color might just sort of like get in the way uh maybe like you don't want the romance to to dominate this story you want to sort of stick to like thinking about 
um, harvesting and eating your bugs. So I think maybe grayscale makes, I don't know, grayscale makes sense to me. So I think maybe this was the right choice. And yeah, blue does a fantastic job with tone. I mean, if we were going to incorporate color, I would even just say do like a color overlay on these gray tones and just do a do a duotone treatment. I don't think a full color lush treatment would be appropriate in this case. Um, I don't know. I think I, I would be curious. I don't know if it's possible to like do a study on this or not, but because everything is so subjective, but like when you have this much going on with the grayscale, I don't know if it's, quite the same as the type of black and white comics that mm. Scott McCloud or Art Spiegelman were talking about. Mm. Uh, it's not just line drawings. It's like it's more similar to maybe like a black and white photograph. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like the, the textures are, are great. Like the use of texture versus not texture gives you like, it almost doubles the number of quote unquote colors you have to fill a space. Did you both have the uh, the print edition or the digital edition? Uh, I, I had print. I had the PDF. Um, okay. So actually, I'd be kind of curious to see how. I mean, it, it's hard to see through a Zoom screen, but I, I I would be curious in the future to sort of see how the printed art compares to the digital PDF. Mm. Um, yeah, because a lot of the textures are subtle. I don't like. I haven't seen the digital edition, so I don't know how they compare. But in print, at least. It like it adds a whole lot of depth. I mean, I would say they're pretty. I mean, they're noticeable for sure. Okay, uh, that's probably not in enough. That would work. Um, I mean, something something else related to the art that I was going to mention though is there's Milani's artwork gets depicted multiple times. These sort of painted murals and like paintings and sketchbooks, and I was going to sort of just give blew a shout out for doing such a great job of differentiating art painted art in a sketchbook from the drawn art of the comic world mm. um, like I think it's really easy to like end up with your characters art in their art book looking like your own art style and so I just appreciated how the murals and the sketchbook samples and stuff looked different but still sort of fit into that comic world uh, I feel like that's an underappreciated uh, thing to pull off I think it's harder to do and then people think think it is <laughs> yeah. yeah disguising your own work is never an easy <laughs> thing <laughs> um, I also just uh, we mentioned this before but just the facial expressions are so great and the, the body language is really great too we don't see a lot of body language because most of like probably about half of the comic is like conversations. And so it's more sort of like just talking heads and they're great talking heads, but like the body language is also really good. Like there's a, a page uh, early on where Yero is uh, biking to the restaurant for the first time. And there's just the, the body language of her signaling to like turn a corner on a bike is like, it says so much about her, just like the, the pose that she's in and the fact that she is not someone who's going to skip signaling on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> just like those subtleties, like they really flesh out a story with like what seems like no effort, but no, it's just, it's skill. Yeah. I mean, 
overall, I just think all of these little details, like just the clothing too, like, again, this is something I've struggled with as a cartoonist is just, you know, like t-shirt and jeans, t-shirt and jeans, t-shirt and jeans. And so like, I... I always appreciate when I read a comic and it's like, oh, wow, like, look at this, like, button-up pleated, you know, shirt with, like, extra, like, detailing in the in the collar and mm-hmm. patterning and, like, fun, like, um, like s- slogans on t-shirts and stuff. It's, like, yeah, it, it just felt very well-realized. Like, it, it felt like a real city with real people living in it. Like, all these nice little details. Like, yeah, even just, like, having the little bike basket and, and, and reflectors on Yarrow's bike. Like, just these little details that I think some nice people overlook. And, yeah, just was very nicely realized. And the food was nicely drawn, too, which is important in a uh, food comic. <laughs> yeah, it looks tasty. <laughs> yeah, like, I wanted... Again, like I wanted to actually take a bite out of some of these recipes. That's how well drawn they were. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, I think overall, I'm really, really happy I read it, and I'm interested to hear uh, your final thoughts. Do you recommend it? Um, yes, I absolutely do. It's a great book, uh, even if you don't want to try eating bugs. I think it's an enjoyable story. It's um, uh, I would like more comics like this. Hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I really like this book. I. I always like to see North American comics branching out into other places, and I mean, uh, I want there to be more North American-made food comics, so that it's not just translated uh, food manga. That we can have more. Uh, North American made food comics. I think I'd love to see more stuff like this. Yeah, uh, me as well. I recommended it to this group, but it, I think I broadly recommend this work for pretty much anyone. Uh, I would especially recommend it to anyone who is curious or interested in bugs becoming a part of North American cuisine. I think it it's really well aligned to that interest and uh, has a lot going on. But yeah, like John says, it's a solid story and a great book overall. Great job, Blue and Soleil. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I have a book to shout out. I'm going to shout out The Harrowing of Hell by Evan Dom, which is another book Ooh. published by Iron Circus. It is basically the biblical story of the three days Jesus spent in hell uh, and what he did there but he's turned it into a kind of a metaphor for the carceral state, uh, which is, and he's able to do it without changing the original in any way, which is like pretty impressive. I think a lot of that is on Evan for seeing a thread and pulling on it. (laughs) Uh, The art is great. Uh, It's like creepy and weird, which is like, that's what Evan's good at. And I enjoy it a lot. Nice. I want to read that book. All right. Uh, so I'm Jeff Ellis. I'm I I'm just gonna shout out old episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation because I've uh, I've hit my second COVID slump and uh, I've needed some comfort food to get me through. And uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation's hitting that comfort button for me right now. So. 
Uh, all right, and I'm Jam, and I'd like to shout out uh, the Minecraft graphic novel series, which is by Sarah Grayley and Svay R. Monster. Uh, I just finished reading the second book. The third one has been announced. Uh, it's all ages. If you have a young Minecraft fan in your life, I think it's an excellent comic and is a ton of fun. I need to get those books for my class library. Oh my god, they would devour <laughs> them. Repeatedly. Yes, they would. Yeah, they're so cute. They're so fun. So our next book, is, we're going to have uh, a guest. We're going to have Kathleen Jock join us. And we're going to be reading uh, Through the Woods by Emily Carroll. The Trade Raiders are brought to you by Cloudscape Comics. Thanks to Sleuth for the music. You can find us on SoundCloud, Tumblr, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.